0: This is the InFocus Podcast from The Hindu.
1: Hello and welcome to The Hindu's In Focus Podcast with me, Amit Barua, your host for this episode. Cricket's Indian Premier League, popularly known as IPL, is valued at a staggering 50,000 crore rupees. In 2008, when the IPL was launched, not many would have thought that it would not only be a mega commercial success, but become a magnet for international players. Another round of player auctions has just been concluded with a top sale tag of over 15 crore rupees for an individual cricketer. So, what makes the IPL tick and tick loudly? To discuss the IPL and its business, I have with me today Joy Bhattacharya, CEO of Prime Volleyball League and former team director of the IPL team Kolkata Knight Riders. Welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast, Joy.
0: Hi. Thanks, Samit, for having me here. It's a pleasure being here.
1: There was a time when every cricketer hoped to get a county deal and go to the UK in April to ply his trade. Now, every cricketer hopes to come to India in April and to play in the IPL. And every auction is a reminder of that, of how the tables have turned. That's former Indian cricketer, Vaseem Jafar tweeting recently, Would you agree, Joy, with uh, Vaseem Jafar's views?
0: No, I completely agree. I mean, there is no doubt at all the centre of the world's cricket economy is India, has been now for the last two decades. But after the IPL, it has become even more in sharp focus because, uh, frankly, the quality of the cricket and the quality of the, you know, the kind of level that it's been taken as a form of entertainment and sport is just staggering. It's it's just it's not just the primary uh, premier cricket league in the world. It is head and shoulders even now ahead of the rest in terms of the entire package.
1: You've been watching um, you know this uh, IPL and cricket very closely. Uh, so would you say this uh, IPL is now an example of how India can build its soft power? Absolutely. I think what
0: happened is. Uh, it's a combination of many things and uh, it's very interesting because I was there from the very first ball, the first very first auction, I was a part of the IPL. So, I've literally seen it, you know, in front of my eyes, take form, change shape. So, when the IPL actually started off, we were in a situation where everyone thought, especially a lot of the former international cricketers, thought this is a bit of a joke. You'll come, you'll play, you'll hit a few sixes. it's a festival match, you know. In India in the 90s, there used to be this common concept of festival matches which used to be played so that players could make money for their benefit trust. So it was exactly like that. Then they started playing. And then what happens is when you have an electrifying format, huge crowds, and then people start playing in front of this crowds, suddenly this got really serious. And that's the beauty of it, that there was entertainment in terms of you know cheerleaders and all that. They were big stars, whether they were film stars or whether they were captains of industry. All that helped bring the package in view. But what actually really worked with the IPL after that was that the players played out their skins and every year the game has evolved and has got better and better and better. And that is what has been amazing to watch over the last few years. It's been fantastic. It's not that the entertainment has increased, but the pure cricket, the tactics, the quality of players, the talent on you has just exploded through the roof. Uh,
1: Joy. There's a lot of interest, obviously, in player auctions for the IPL. We just saw another round uh, take place, with Ishan Kishan uh, being the most expensive uh, player with a price tag of some uh, a little over 15 crores, uh, followed by Deepak Chahar, Shreya Sair and Liam Livingstone. Why do you think there's this popular interest in auctions? I mean, what would you say is the reason for that?
0: Again, as I said, I was a part of the first auction. It is it is compelling. Big, powerful men. and The best part about an auction is, it's a level playing field. So today, you know, the Rajasthan Royals owners may be well off, but they're hardly close to in terms of the kind of money, say, the Ambani's could bring forward. But when you come to the auction table out here, everyone is left with that same purse. They're left with that 90 crore rupees with retentions being included. And that is basically what makes it so comparing because everyone is on the same playing field. This is unprecedented in international sport. You do not have options like this. And it has really helped because, A, it puts people under the hammer because you're starting off exactly the same place as everybody else. And B, is it, it forces you to make innovative, smart choices. You just can't buy all the best players you want to. Like what Manchester City does today or what, say, a Barcelona could do 10 years back, where they just buy whoever they wanted to. You can't. And therefore... That is the beauty of an auction. Rajasthan can threaten, you know, comparatively a minnow, financial minnow like Rajasthan can, you know, work on the same playing field with somebody like Mumbai.
1: And, uh, you know, what about the popular interest? I mean, uh, you know, is this, are auctions in general interesting and price tags generally interesting to to people? And that's why, you know, because there's a lot of buzz and a lot of interest around who's been sold for what and so on and so forth
0: look i think it's a very uniquely indian thing if you remember you know there's this great maruti ad and everyone talks about it that you know indians will buy a mercedes also where they've spent you know 40 50 60 lakhs on a car and then they'd ask kitna deti hai As in what is the economy you know how much does it give to the liter and that's something about india for people for indians to know the price tag of things or to this is a bargain and this is a sale and this is way too high these are things that interest us and i can tell you because Forget about the auction being viewed as as part of Krigbaz. I'm part of a panel show which analyzes the auction how it went. And the kind of views that you will have on a program that analyzes the auction is in millions of millions. It's staggering, the numbers.
1: Right. And what do you think it does to the morale of uh, someone like Suresh Raina who doesn't, uh, you know, get bought? What does it do to him?
0: Oh, it, it's a terrible thing. Auctions are Auctions are, you know. It can make players, it can break players and it has so often done both. And uh, that's the thing, it's very unforgiving and it has. It also has sometimes little logic to it. Sometimes they're just players who are flavours of the season and two coaches want the same player and they are just going berserk. So, the reverse also happens, you know, uh, Amit, you're talking about the Suresh shayana being left out. And that's sad. But Suresh Hanna has been the end of a career. And, you know, he's not playing any other cricket for the past three years. He's not playing first-class cricket. He's playing no other cricket for the past three years. So, that is a huge, huge issue. But even the reverse happens. Say, Pawan Negi was this very young, promising guy who suddenly became flavor of the season and was bought for a bizarre amount of money in 2015 or 16. And then his game just fell apart because he didn't know how to handle the whole everything that's happening around him.
1: Right. Since you've been involved, Joy, quite closely with the auction process, can you tell us how the teams actually decide on individual players? Do they have experts and analysts to help them? How, how does this work in practice?
0: So, it's it's really interesting because I managed to get into the IPL because about eight, day, eight years before the IPL and about two decades before now, I designed a fantasy game show for ESPN Star Sports called Super Selector, which was the first actual fantasy game show. And all players had a price and, you know, you had to put together your ideal fantasy team, which was, it was the first in Indian fantasy. It was the first big cricket fantasy show and it was in its own time pretty, pretty big. That was the reason I was called by Shah Rukh and by the team to try and put together a strategy of how you can buy players. And there's a lot of strategy that goes into it. Not all teams have the same strategy, but right now, 14 years into it, in those days, we were probably one of the first teams who were using a fair amount of analytics. Right now, there's a lot of analytics. All teams use analytics. All teams have extensive scouting programs where they have people who are watching leagues around the world, watching all the domestic Indian leagues. And uh, it's interesting. I think the way you look at it is saying, what's your core? You see, you have to have first your first 11. You have to have seven good Indians to put in the park, which is a tougher problem usually than having four good foreigners to put in the park. Because if you remember, four good foreigners... You have 10, 11 other test-playing countries and other countries who play well. And so there are potentially 55, 60 international cricketers out there out of which you are expected to pick. And even all teams take four good foreigners. That still means just 4 into 10, 40. So you have a pool to pick from. Getting seven good Indians in the park is much more difficult. And that's something that you know teams look at and figure out and how much they have to do. And then every team has their own strategy. Some people are like... You know, take, for example, a CSK. They like to have a lot of all-rounders because that's how Dhoni plays his game. He likes to have three, four of all-rounders in his team so he can, you know, mix it around. So they will spend a lot of their money on all-rounders. They'll spend a lot of the money on that course. So that's why Deepak Chahar is expensive. Ravindra Jadeja is expensive. Mohi Ali is expensive for them because they like that flexibility. Uh, Mumbai just loves to have great bowling. So they've, you know, broken the bank for Bumrah. And they're paying 8 crores for a Joffra Acha who's not even going to land up this year. Just because they feel that even if they get him for 2 years at that price, he's a steal. So, lots of... Every team has their own strategy and, you know, having been a part of a strategy team for 7 years and watching it for another 7, uh, it's it's fascinating to watch how those moving parts could come together during an auction. Joy, in
1: 2008, the BCCI earned 3,000 crore rupees from the sale of 8 teams. Last year, they earned over 12,000 crores from the sale of just two teams. And I saw that Sundar Raman, former IPL COO or Chief Operating Officer, said in an interview last year that uh, the original team owners had bought a house in Malabar Hill when it didn't exist. New owners clearly have to pay more. Would you agree with such an analogy?
0: No, no, absolutely. I mean, you look at what Sharukh Khan and I know exactly because the money that was paid at that time Say, for a team like Kolkata, a franchise like Kolkata, you have to pay, they just pay 300 crores, which was paid in 30 crore installments over 10 years. Now, here the big question is not that. The big question is, does it make sense? So, I think in those days, buying it made eminent sense because that investment is worth its weight in gold. But even now, it makes sense because the thing that people don't seem to understand is that yes, Sanjeev Goenka has paid 7,000 crores for a team. But Sanjeev Goenka will recover that money because of the kind of television rights and everything that is there. He's going to pay 7,000 crores as 700 crores a year only for 10 years. Now, if this league goes on for 30 years, for the next 20 years, he has the team for free and he's going to make all that money out of this television rights. So, the question to ask yourself is not whether you'll break even or not if the league continues. If cricket continues in India and the IPL continues in India, you will almost certainly make money. The only question then is, at what point do you make money? At what point do you break even? That's all. So he may break even in 15-16 years. He may break even just within these 10 years, the last of these 10 years. But he's certainly going to break even at some point in the league country. That's the point.
1: Right. So... Can you tell us how does this business model of IPL work? How do the teams make money? Uh, the BCCI obviously makes money from the sale of the teams. But there's a revenue sharing model also, I believe, inside this. So, can you just tell um, you know, our listeners of our In Focus podcast how, how, how this works?
0: So, let me just give you the very simple basics. The BCCI makes money from two places. The BCCI actually three places. The BCCI makes money from A, the franchises paying them a certain amount of money for being franchises. Okay, That has stopped for the initial franchises because they paid for the first 10 years. They no longer need to pay. Then the BCCI, so now Pune is paying and you have the super joints. uh, uh, Sorry, uh, Lucknow is paying and Gujarat is paying right now. The others have finished the 10 years in which they were giving the money they paid to get into it. Now, how does it operate? So, they get money from teams who are paying them and they get money from television rights and they get money from people like the Tata IPL, Tata, Vivo, or the central sponsors. So, three revenue streams for you. Television revenue, central sponsorship and team franchise fees which are being paid to you. Now, it disperses money only to a... Make the production, which is make this entire thing happen. So it's a certain amount of operational cost. And the second part of the cost is sharing that revenue back with the team. So, if, say, for example, they have a revenue of X amount from television, uh, 60% of that is going back to the teams. The central revenue from television and all these sponsors is going back to the teams as well. And the IPL is returning, retaining a certain amount of it. So, that's the business model for the BCCI or the IPL. What's a business model for the team? The team is paying out three things. It has operational costs, you know, which is the cost to run a team, to put it together, to do training camps, to make them travel during tournaments. It has player costs. It has to buy players. It has, you know, to put together, 90 crores to put together a team. And it has franchise fees, which it pays to the BCCI. Whether they have finished paying it or they've, they've started, they continue to pay it, These are the three expenses they have. And in turn, they have three places from which they can make money. They can make money from ticket sales, which happens only, of course, if you're playing on your home ground. And between you and me, television revenue is so high that ticket sales, which you can make two or three crores of per match, they are very insignificant compared to the television revenue or the share of central television revenue they get. So they make money from ticket sales they make money from the central revenue that the bcci shares with them which is from the television revenue and sponsors like tata or vivo or oppo or pepsi in the past and they make money from their own team sponsorship which is you know what's been what's the name on the shirt what's the name on the back of the shirt so that those also make revenue so teams make revenue from three places and spend money in three places the ipl effectively makes money from central sponsors and television and disburses money to teams and has operational costs. So that, in effect, is the IPL model.
1: So to come to television revenues, BCCI's income from the sale of broadcast rights was a little over 11 crores in 2009 and nearly 3,300 crores in 2021. And this is likely to go up in 2023, according to some estimates, to about 6,000 crores. Would that be an accurate number?
0: I think they're lowballing it. I think it'll go even higher, because what you see emerging now, which started emerging last time, is the fact that OTT platforms are going to be a major player in all this as well. So Amazon has already got into sport.
1: So what you're saying is that telev- that, that, that normal television is no longer the only influencer here. You're talking about OTT platforms, they're really big.
0: They're really big. So the amount of say, concurrency hotstar is getting and as technology gets better. And your ability to second screen gets better. More and more of, you know, your revenue is going to be written off not so much television advertising, but of advertising off on OTT platforms. And so the hot star's share of the bill or hot star's share of what revenues Star makes out of this, if say we're talking about Star getting it, would be a huge and substantial amount. So that is one. Secondly, I think what you're seeing now in television terms is there are Three big consortiums now in the market in India, all of whom have very interesting antecedents, and I'm not even counting somebody like an Amazon, who's a mammoth company by itself. So you have a situation where you're seeing a uh, Sony Z. This entire platform is now a big platform. The Sony Z platform is a big platform. There is ESPN Star Sports, so ESPN, which has taken over Star Sports, which is traditionally a, been a huge platform in India. And you see the emergence of a third contender, which is Network 18, Geo, Boot, the entire the Network 18 group coming together. And they've recently played huge amount of money to get the World Cup football. And uh, you can expect definitely a whole lot of movement from there as well. So these are the four things that are happening now, which are really exciting. So I think that, uh, you know, 6,000, maybe even an underestimate, it may go for even higher.
1: Uh, and also, uh, just to um, um, you know, remind our listeners that DLF had paid about 40 crores in 2008 for uh, title sponsorship. Uh, then Pepsi paid about 80 crores and later Vivo paid about 440 crores. So, you think this is going to go up and up?
0: Yeah, because see, again, title sponsors is the reason why title sponsorship is actually more and more lucrative is because that's the one thing which is there on what you call... What in television terms is known as the ILU, the Integrated Logo Unit. So you'll never see IPL by itself. You'll always see Vivo IPL or Tata IPL or, uh, you know, DLF IPL. And that means that the ubiquity of that first logo is absolutely huge. And that, I think, is something that you're going to see more and more of. So the value of that will always remain high, given the number of screens, the number of places it's going
1: joy before i let you go uh, you know you had referred to how uh, you know the teams have been making money and even 10 years down the line you know it's likely to remain uh, a profitable venture so where do you see the te- uh, the ipl 10 years from now
0: look i don't see the i see the ipl as big as it is not much bigger because see what happens is that essentially uh, what drives india and this is the interesting thing that indian leagues traditionally are India is very festival-oriented. One, two months is a maximum sponsors and you know advertisers. Because remember, television money is coming mainly from advertiser money. We don't make a lot of money out of gate receipts. So what happens is that we have short seasons, two-month seasons. More than that, and it's too much of the chunk of the world's see. So I see the IPL, just the value of the IPL increasing, but not necessarily the number of teams increasing too much beyond 10. But what I do see a lot of, and it's already happening, is a lot of feeder leagues happening around India. And there have been troubles, of course, there have been math-fixing allegations all that. But over time, the Karnataka League, Tamil Nadu Premier League, Saurashtra League, the Bengal CAB League, all these will become bigger and bigger and they will start becoming smaller, viable uh, options for investment as well. And it's important for sport to have that ecosystem grow further than just beyond one apex tournament. And I... Hope to see in the next 10 years many more second-tier tournaments happening around to support the IPL and work as talent feeders to the IPL.
1: And there are also many regional leagues in Bangladesh and Pakistan and other countries also coming up.
0: Absolutely. Most of them are pretty successful. I mean, financially, I think the Big Bash does really well. Pakistan Premier League is about breaking even. I think Bangladesh has a bit of a problem because, you know, it's been a very unstable board and you know, they've kept changing the... Uh, goalposts. But uh, yeah, it is possible. And today, you know, thanks to the fact because of television money and because of betting money, there are leagues all over the world who did look viable because a lot of money is also being invested in that from around the world.
1: Joy Bhattacharya, thank you so much for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. We'll leave it here for today. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.